Thank you for joining us here on the Frank Sontag Podcast. It is a, uh, a special day on the podcast. We've done um, three or four of these, and I won't get into too long of a story. But the idea of having a guest on, I just had the sense I want to, in God's time, have the right guest on to start the guest segments. And a funny story earlier this week, I won't get into too much detail, but it was undeniable God put somebody on my heart that I'd been praying about through a series of uh, coincidences. My cell phone dinged, and it was her, and I started laughing, and here we are. She's here. So let me introduce my dear friend and our first guest on the Frank Sontag podcast, Allie Mills Bean, welcome Thank to the you. podcast. So happy to be here. It's good happy to see, to see you. you. Thank you. It's great to see you. Now, now there's, there's a lot, lot I want to get into, but I want to just go from maybe now and then work our way back, because this is prominent on my mind. You just got an Emmy. I just, I just got an Emmy <laughs> at 72. <laughs> I mean, come on. Talk, Talk about, about God. You know, and, and not coincidence and timing. And the timing was so profound for me. Um, I, as you know, lost my beloved husband. It's three years now. Actually, more than three years. And uh, I've been, you know, just... When you lose someone like that, then it's sort of... What is life? What's, what is your purpose? Your purpose really shifts. You know, even though when I was married, I still had a purpose, you know, kingdom purpose. But it was so connected to Orson and my life with him. And so it's just been a huge shift. I've been sitting in my yard, literally, Frank. You were just talking. You know, four or five hours a day before I could move, I would just sit and pray and look at the sky, which was amazing today out the window. And uh, and say, what? What? I realized time. I never thought about time before, because Orson made me swear since he was older than me that I would never think about limited time with him. So I never thought about limited time in my life. But suddenly, I, you know, because he's gone, I went, wow. Okay, if I'm seventy-two, I have at the most, because my grandmother's one hundred and five, thirty-two years. There you go. <laughs> what do I want to do? And now, because Orson never liked me to go to town meetings or, you know, too much Bible study because he liked having me around. But I have the time is mine now to. So I've just been really focusing on that. And then this thing with the Emmy was the timing was really interesting because I've gotten so close to God recently, like way more than ever before. Which we're going to get really deep. We will get really deep. into, And this is. The accumulation, I feel like a different maturity. So it didn't have any meaning to me in the worldly sense of the Emmys or awards or, you know, getting it or not getting it. It felt like a maturity thing. It, and, and for me, uh, you unexpectedly sent me the video. My sense was it's almost as if God's saying it's a new season. It's a new season. I, I have... I have matured you, Allie. I've loved you, Allie. I've given you the man of your dreams. Oh, we're going to talk about, obviously. But now this is going to be your season. 
It's time for you, Allie Millspeed, to step forward as a daughter of the balloon. And given that look at the world, yeah, oh boy. that you can't be immature. You can't serve God. You can't do anything. You can't help anybody. I'm useless on the streets of Venice with people sleeping on the streets unless I really get strong in wisdom, you know, um, in more than anything, listening, letting go of thinking I know everything or anything. Mm. Um, I just, I, I, I just feel like something's opening up and I, I have to really grow up and it feels like that's the season. I'm really getting like tears. It's okay. Well, I, I think we'll both be crying. I'm already crying. I'm so grateful. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's a real, it's a real call to grow up in every aspect of my life. I'm feeling it, you know, I can do it all. I can be on the chair of the homeless committee. I can work. I can take care of the kids. I can see who's put right in front of me today and feel calm enough to be open to like whoever was put on my doorstep today and just say, I'm going to do it and not fear, you know, no fear. You know, I was telling a friend um, who didn't know I started my podcast. He's one of my closest friends. I'm like, dude, what, what's going on here? You're not tracking what's going on in my life. This is a big deal. I said, I have a guest coming in. It's a wonderful woman. Uh, a dear friend of Aaron's and I, her and her husband, um, are good friends. He said, who is it? And I said, I mean, you hear this all the time. Was there a show in the 70s or 80s that you really loved? And he, without a missed a beat, he said, The Wonder Years. <laughs> I said, I said well, I got the mom coming on. He goes, you have Ellie Mills coming on? I got all excited like a little kid. I'm like, yeah. Now, the reason why I bring that up is, in part, when, when I, I saw you with the Emmy in your hand and you said, I've been doing this 60 years. This is something you've done pretty much your whole life. My whole life. Acting. How? Why? Where did all that come from? I think um, I didn't have the, the happiest. It looked like a very happy childhood. Um, we were just talking a little bit, you know, in the other room about, uh, you know, a young getting divorced at a young age. My dad met someone when I was four. And then my mother found out when I was seven. And uh, my mother was an amazing, beautiful human being. Devastated. Devastated. We moved from the country, like you live in here, you know, beautiful trees and German shepherds, like your German shepherd, into New York City in the 50s into the Upper West Side was not a thing of beauty in those days. And there was a lot of gang violence in the park right across the street. So I saw someone get his head cut off the top when I was seven. Um, and my mother was so depressed. So that's a root of, I think a lot of actors start from, I don't know why we want to become other people, but it's not really escape. I think it's telling stories. Um, getting in touch with that without dying from the sadness of it. For me, anyway, that's what it was. And I, just, I loved the theater. I just loved it. I, I loved... My husband was a comic. I was never a comic, although, you know, I, I did funny... A lot, I did a lot of sitcoms, actually, when I got out here. But um, it was mostly just being people. That's what I loved. 
my radio part is kicking in. This is Allie Mills being my guest for our first podcast and her late great husband, Orson Bean. Many of us knew from afar. Um, you talk about some a presence in music. And uh, when you had us over to your house, you, I'm sure, don't know this. And I don't know if he did it much, but oh, drew a little sketch. Of you? No, no. gave it to my wife, and she still has it. What was it? It's, I, I want to remember, I think it's just like an old guy, long-haired guy, just kind of. Was it God, maybe? The long-haired guy? Because oh, he did this one drawing of um, a long-haired guy with a finger pointing and a little human kind of just running, 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 running. A tiny little human, this long, flowing-haired God with his finger. It, I, I'll show it to you. It's, it's, it's just how crazy we are. Yeah. You know, running and crazy and like this. He's just right behind us. So, how did you meet him? How did you meet Orson? I met Orson. I was 40 and had very bad taste <laughs> in mostly actors, um, one after the other. I mean, it's just like, you know, my mother would go, what were you thinking? Um, and I realized the last one was abusive. It's like, seriously like i could have died um cut my face threw a glass of wine in my face cut my face with the glass slammed me against the wall and i went okay and i just went ha, 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 like that because i i thought i might die that night i'd been warned by his ex-wife i really loved his kids i'd been warned she said don't think that what i've been saying is not true but i never saw it, it was a year this was a year and uh and i went okay it's me. I am picking these people. Mm. So I have to change. And uh, I went to see my, my best friend from Hastings. We were just talking about that little suburb uh, that changed so much outside of New York where I lived before I, my parents got divorced. My best friend's dad was a famous psychiatrist. And I went to see him because I grew up next door to him. And he said, ah, so now you realize you're sleeping with your father. And I went, what? But he was a womanizer, and and my uncle told me that my mom had a black and blue eye when she had lunch with his brother one day in New York City. So I didn't know that about my dad. Mm -hmm. And so I went, okay, I'm going to, you know, so I, I just, and I met Orson very quickly after I decided to change. I went to a psychiatrist because I didn't know God at that point. And um, so I went to a shrink out here. He gave me a name. And I began the process with a beautiful Beautiful, and Orson and I ended up both going to him. Beautiful psychiatrist, Victor Wolfenstein, amazing, not with us anymore. And and I I met Orson at a play reading, and it was kind of instant, just like that. He, he immediately said to my mother, "I'm going to take everyone out for drinks, the whole cast." And or maybe my mother took us all out for drinks. I can't remember, but he walked up the street and said to my mother, "What's the story with your daughter?" She said, "She's single. What's the story with you?" And he said, I'm divorced. And she went, ah. Oh. So she knew the whole night. I didn't know anything. So he sat next to me. And that was, it was pretty much that. That was. And. But one thing, Frank, that's really yes. interesting for any women that are listening to this, who are like 40. Orson said to me, I want to get to know you because I want to marry you. So I don't want to sleep with you. And I just went, no one had ever said that to me before. You know, I'm a 60s generation. It's sort of like, you know, 
if somebody buys you a Coke, <laughs> you're supposed to go home with them, you know, because you owe them something. It was just sort of, you know, the 60s. And so we did it for, for three months. And then he put a ring on my finger. And and I said, I still need time because I've been so crazy before this. I've made such bad decisions. So, so we did wait a whole year before we actually got married, but, um, I said yes, but I said, I'm, I'm saying yes to the you engagement. Need some, you need some time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need some time. When you were kind enough to invite Aaron and I over to your place and we sat, and obviously I knew of Orson from afar and we had a wonderful dinner and a great time. Something I've never told you. But something I really noticed about O, he was almost as if he just was like, he was like watching you, like tell how much he loved you. But there was something about him. It really struck me like this man really knows what an incredible woman he has as his wife. And it was just so undeniable. I feel that way, but I didn't know it showed. Well, I, I'm pretty perceptive, but yeah. he just, just the presence, the way he carried himself, the way the conversation went. And then I want to kind of jump around a little bit. And then fast forward. I think this was after I had you on my radio show. I don't think I knew you when I had you on my radio show. I think I'd heard about you. There was an article in the paper. I can't remember how that happened. I think it was. And anyway, I got you in, and O, o came in, I think, and he had that same presence watching. And he was, he was checking me out, too. He wanted to make sure that I knew what I was doing. And I think we went to a break, and he goes, this guy knows what he's doing or something. You know, O being kind of funny. But I do know that's the first time we met. Mm-hmm. I had you on my radio program, and that was you a know that might interview. have been the very first time that I ever talked about God at the Christian Monitor. What's it called? That newspaper? Uh, yes, that uh, is uh, Christian Post. I believe. Something like that. Yeah. Um, that wonderful. I can't think of that reporter's name. He's an amazing journalist. He's Russian. Alex Murray. Yes, yeah. loved him. I met him at a party, so he asked me if he could interview me, and I'd never talked about, you know becoming a Christian late in life. And so I told that whole story to him about the reason and um and I think that's did you know Alex? Is that how I think maybe that no. Maybe maybe you read that article or something. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll never forget, because that was the first time I ever talked out loud about God ever was with you. <laughs> and you asked me, are you all in now? And I went, and I just started crying because I, I, I didn't want, I couldn't lie. It was new for me. And it was like the thought of being all in my whole, it was like, and, and there was a man that worked at CBS. I was doing the soap opera, Bold and Beautiful then. And he was on the crew with me and I never knew he was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And he said, I was driving in my car and I heard that question. And I heard your pause, and he said, I had to pull over. I was crying so hard. He said, he said, it's a big question for all of us. Yeah, that's right. That's, you know, it's easier to, of course, Frank. Yeah, right. Duh. Yeah, why Do you know what I mean? Of course. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. Come I'm on. all in. Come on, you know. 
Yeah. You know, amen, pass the Chardonnay. <laughs> you know, it was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my but uh, that was an amazing, that was an amazing experience um, to like talk out loud about, you know, spiritual things for the very first time on the radio. And, and to, to be, be in the industry. And um, not to go down this road too far, but I've got some friends in the industry and, and they don't talk about their faith because fear of being ostracized or fear of The pushback of I got for that interview, I'm telling you. you oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I didn't care at yeah. that point. Or I wouldn't have talked to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and my experience was... You may not have ever verbalized you were all in, but you you were all in. I sure was all eager, you know, and I was all excited and all, I just wanted to know everything. And I met Dottie Larson at that point, my that amazing Texan Bible teacher who was, you know, and she was becoming my mentor rapidly. She said, oh, I see, we've got the same, the same thing. We're, mm. we're both prideful. <laughs> she said that to me almost the first or second day I met her. Well, let me ask this because we're going to break yeah. in a moment and okay. then come back with part two. Um, generalized question. You don't need to go too deep, but I'll make it in a statement. I imagine having faith, being a Christian in the industry, there's been times where kind of challenging for you or maybe not. Well, yeah, I mean. You can't care what other people think. I mean, that's when I say that I'm getting mature, that's one of my biggest uh, things that I've been praying for. What I have many years it's been a lot, now, 15 years now, um, to really, really, really not care what people think. If I'm true to my walk and to the love walk and really just operating out of love, I don't care what it looks like to other people. I just don't care. And if someone has a problem with what I believe in, I'm so sorry for them. I'm sorry. I hope that they have a good life. I hope they believe in something that feeds them and makes them happy and full and full. Of course, I want people to feel what, what I'm experiencing, but you know, I will honor, you know, somebody that's a Muslim if it's really filling their life and they, they're passionate and happy. And, you know, I, as you know, I was a Buddhist for 22 years and I, I didn't, I didn't, I was never one of those people that judged other people's religion. But um, I don't know. I, I, again, these times are so dark right now. It's like however people get to the light. I said that in my Emmy speech. It's like I'm barreling to the light, towards the light. That just came out of my mouth about my character. But it's about my, actually how I feel about light. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to get pushed back. I'm going to get pushed back for this. I'm sure I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. And that's the other thing that's great about being 72 and, and like in a new season, yeah. it's, it, it has to be the, I don't care season about that kind of criticism. Yeah. Amen. You know, I'm not being nailed to a cross, Frank. <laughs> None of us are. And yet he did and was, we are our identities, you know? Yeah, the all-in thing is an issue for me. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that in part two. But I want to, again, thank you for watching this. This is the Frank Sontag Podcast. Ali Mills-Bean is my guest. And, uh, we're going to take a brief respite. 
and come back with part number two in just a matter of moments. Keep watching. Frank Sontag here. One thing I want to make mention of that that I don't enough. Um, we have a men's ministry. It's KMG Ministries, and as in Kingdom Men's Gathering, and uh, this is done part and parcel with the men's ministry. We do events, we do retreats, we do Bible studies, leadership courses, and it's my heart and my right hand guy, Pastor Mike Johnson. We um, we think the largest crisis in America and the world, for that matter, is uh, men not being men. And when you talk about a biblical man, knowing who you are in Christ, um, it's a game changer. And the last thing I'll say about KMG Ministries, other than please go to our website and support us with prayer or any other way, the missing link, I'm convinced, in men's ministry, in Christian men's ministry, is men are not taught and don't realize that they are loved by a father in heaven, Father God. When Jesus walked the planet, was baptized, Holy Spirit descended, God said, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. We walk around in this world with father wounds, dad wasn't there, we struggle, we, we become Christian, but we don't understand nor have a relationship with God the Father, our Papa, Abba Papa, who loves us as his sons. And he's raising up a whole generation of men to be sons of the Most High God. He'll heal you by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. But this is something that we teach in our ministry called sonship. One of the most important things I think the body of Christ is missing in this day and age. We as men need to know you are his son. You may not have had a dad in this life, but you have the father of the universe who loves you right now and wants to use you for his glory. So KMG Ministries is our heart, um, and we uh, challenge all men to step up and discover the plan and purpose that they have um, through God in their lives, whether they know him or not now. God knows you, and we pray that you will seek him out and uh, surrender to, to those two words, who is alive more than ever now. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's waiting for you. He's knocking at the door. All you have to say is, yes, I want in. And then your life will change forever. In Jesus' name. KMGministries.com. You can find us also through uh, an easy website with my name, franksontag.com. God bless you.